Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today we get to see Jesus praying. He knows that his time of arrest, trial, and crucifixion have come. So after sharing a meal with his friends, the disciples, he goes to hide away in a garden to pray, to talk with his father. It seems logical thing to do in times of great need and times of distress. It's an appropriate time to pray. It's not always our first thought when things go horribly wrong, but the scriptures encourage us to pray. And in Romans, we hear, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. That is, it's the Spirit is the one who leads us to pray. The Spirit is the one who even gives us the language to be able to pray. Without the Spirit, we simply could not pray to God. And through the act of prayer, by the power of the Spirit, it is that act where we are turned to God. In prayer, we recognize that we are not the ones in control of everything. And when we pray, it is a literal act of saying, I am not God. I have been created by this magnificent being who loves and who cares for me and the world. And this being can be trusted. So today we hear the scriptures where Jesus is praying in the garden. But we also are coming together to lift up the Beatitudes as well. And we hear, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. At first glance, it may not appear that these two are closely related, but they are. Because to be pure in heart is to recognize that our will is not the one that is to be done. And when we find Jesus in the garden, we hear him praying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. And there is something about this prayer that Jesus prays. He easily could have said, Father, just do what you need to do. But the honesty and the humanity of Jesus doesn't pray this prayer because Jesus knows what is coming is painful. It is deadly. And it is not what he or what anyone would want. So Jesus prays that this would not happen to him. But then, of course, he comes to pray that his Father's will would be done. And this type of a prayer, this this pattern of prayer, is, is one that is established by Jesus. And we know that God wants to hear what's going on in our hearts, wants us to be able to plead those darkest, deepest feelings. But Jesus also teaches us to pray, and in the Lord's Prayer, we, we are told to pray, Thy kingdom come. We pray this together every time we get together, every time we come to worship. We, we ask, Thy kingdom come. And when we pray these words, Luther explains them, saying, 
In fact, God's kingdom comes on its own without our prayer. But we ask in this prayer that it may come to us. And he tells us to pray this way because when we ask that it may come to us, it's again reminding us who we are and who God is and how it's God's will that needs to be done. And I know the power of prayer in my life. I love coming to worship where we pray multiple times. We got to pray as we uh, did baptism. We got to pray with the little ones. We will pray all during our time together. And this is good because that's what we're called to do. But there are other times when prayer comes in a different sense. There's sometimes that we feel a certain sense of urgency. And I had one of those times a number of years ago. You see, most of my family was here in South Dakota. It was summer, and they had come to be with Aaron and to be with me. My folks had a van at the time, and so they filled up that van with all the stuff that they needed. Um, it was, they included my little brother, who was um, middle school, high school age back then. They brought my grandma with them, and they came for a weekend. They drove a 1,000 miles from Ohio here to South Dakota to be with us. We were enjoying a great summer evening, kicking back, enjoying one another's company. Aaron and I got tired and went to sleep early, but the rest of the family were staying up late, swapping old-time stories, looking at the pictures that we had taken that weekend, and creating new memories when the phone rang. A number of minutes later, my mom was banging on our door, yelling us to let her in our room. We didn't have any idea what was going on. When she entered, she told me that my older stepbrother had been in a car accident and that he was being taken by life light to the Ohio State University Medical Center. Paramedics were working on him, and we learned that he had been thrown from his car in the accident and that he was the only one, the only car that was there. And it's at times like this that terror floods your body. We were all in South Dakota, so our minds were jumping. Who is in Ohio that could be there with him? How fast can we make it back to Ohio? Clothes were flying into suitcases, and toothbrushes got left in the bathroom. Heaving sobs were punctuated by deep breaths as we tried to comprehend what was happening. Our minds were spinning. He's in the hospital. Is he going to make it? And before long, I noticed that it was my little brother that was having the hardest time because he'd never experienced anything like this before. No one close to him had been seriously hurt. And so I took him outside and I threw my arms around his neck and did the only thing that I knew to do. We prayed. And there's no elegant prayer that comes at a time like this. God, please be with Jack. Don't let him die. Lord, take away the pain. God, just be with him. We know that you are with us no matter what. Thank you. Amen. And I'm sure I added the last part of that prayer because I was taught to pray that way, but because I needed to hear it. I needed to be reminded that no matter what, God was with me and with my family, and I needed my little brother to hear those words too. After the long embrace, we wiped our faces off and got back to the job of packing and getting them on the road. 
That prayer certainly didn't fix anything. My brother had still been in a car accident, and we didn't know what was going to happen. But as we read about Jesus in the garden, I can feel the same level of urgency. Because Jesus knows that his time has come. We didn't know how things were going to turn out with my brother, but Jesus knew what he was facing. He knew because he had been telling his disciples over and over what was going to happen to him, and that time had come. And in times like this, it's time to pray. It wasn't my first instinct to go to the Lord in prayer. But the Spirit led me to pray. And the thing is, when I was only concerned about my little brother, the only thing I could think to do was to turn to God in prayer because of the Spirit's nudging. And I prayed that night with a hunger that I had never felt before. Being a thousand miles away from our brother, we couldn't do anything for him. But the one thing that we could do is to remember whose we are. And we could feel the presence of God as we ached to know the outcome. I'm happy to report that after a month in the hospital and a couple months of rehab, he's just fine. But things don't always turn out that way. But in all times, we are encouraged to go to God in prayer. We are to turn to God because God has promised to be with us through the good, through the bad, through whatever comes. And really, the ability to pray is a gift of God. Because in prayer, we know that God wants to hear the longings of our heart. And we know that that is a way that we are indeed connected to the Lord. It's a way for God to hear us, a way for us to remember that God is with us and for us. And as I think of the book of Matthew, my, my mind is always jumping to the end. Because in the very end of Matthew, we read the scripture that Jesus, he says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And these words are words of great hope and of great promise. Jesus with us to the end of the age. This is gift. This is promise. This is our hope. This is the good news today. Amen.